are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 393 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, as we have been saying for some time now, and we're glad you've joined us tonight. And we have a long topic, a deep dive, and we've announced that a couple of times in the past, and it's our deep dive into Dude Star. We have the author of Dude Star with us tonight, so we're going to be talking to him about all the good things about it. And before we get to that, let's go ahead and tell you who we are. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And Cheryl is on a assignment of deliciousness. <laughs> but uh, so she'll be back next time. But then we also have. I'm Bill, NE4RD. Good evening. And we have a guest, a guest that we're going to hopefully interview maybe well, maybe poorly. We'll see how that goes. But this is Doug, Doug McLean, AD8DP, Alpha Delta 8 Delta Papa, who is the author of Dude Star, a project that allows you to connect to all those fun new digital radio services using nothing but a sound card and a computer, well, and a microphone and some speakers, but uh, you don't even need an Ambi chip, and we're going to find out all about that later because I have a a question related to that. And uh, in the meantime, let's go ahead and introduce Doug. How are you doing tonight? Very good. How's how's it going, guys? Well, it's going pretty good here. Finally, finally the dust is settling. Um, (laughs) So we usually start these off by letting our guests introduce themselves in whatever way they see fit and maybe tell us a little bit about your amateur radio career. And then we'll let you get into uh, how you started on Dude Star and whether you're like an actual programmer or whatever, or you just kind of hack this thing together. But uh, I don't know, start sort of towards the beginning and, you know, it's only a hour show. So <laughs> some people like to talk. But anyway, tell us a little bit about yourself, Doug. All right, very good. So, uh, uh, let's see. I think I've been a ham now since 2013, and I got into. Uh, I mean, I've always been. I'm, I'm a. I'm a gearhead, car guy, electronics guy, and computer guy. All three of those, and musician. So all four of these things, I guess, kind of um, led me to find ultimately finally get a ham radio license. It happened when I was. I had a recording studio that I was um, living in at the time, and got really into. Uh, um, audio electronics I was building mic preamps and stuff and getting that deep into the audio electronics uh, ultimately led to uh um you know studying audio electronics you know led to radio electronics and then i was like oh man oh and then, you know and then i started you know this is finally what put me over the edge is i started scanning started scanning um you know just regular analog bhf uhf stuff with a little 20 dollar cheapo handheld scanner and kept stopping on ham radio stuff and my dad was a ham growing up but uh, i never really took an interest in it in my younger days but uh when i finally when i heard all that traffic on the scanner then uh, it was like that was it so i studied and got my uh ham radio license and uh the rest is history so that's how i first got into ham radio and then uh what what should i go into next go right into the do star next or what do you think Oh, if you want to tell us a little bit. Well, you, you've given us your, your background. What about your programming background before you tell us about the project itself? Um, so I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a car guy turned 
electronics and computer guy. So I, I, I'm an engineer at General Motors. I was totally on the mechanical. I started out on the mechanical side. I'm a two-year. I'm not a four-year degree holder. I'm just a two-year. I got a two-year electronics degree. And I was in the Army where I, uh, I was a mechanic in the Army. So I came out of the Army and went into General Motors as a dyno technician. So I was always on, you know, the mechanical side. And then I got more and more into the electronics of engines and powertrain controls and got sick of wrenching and got more into the electronics and then more into the computers. And so where I've landed now is uh, is doing uh, automotive uh, CAN network simulation in the dyno lab. So um, totally that's, so my, my programming experience came from learning how to write software for Automotive, you know, embedded stuff, you know, Arduinos came out. I was already into embedded stuff, and then the Arduino stuff came out, and that was just like, oh, this is, these things are sweet. But I had been into it already from the uh, the old Atmel boards and stuff like that. And then um, I got into a really, how I got into more higher-level stuff, how, where I really learned, where I really became confident in my, I guess you call it, like, computer science uh, capabilities was... Uh, an open source um, for oh yeah I guess just to say I, I, I was always in, I got my first internet-based computer in I think 1997 for about six months about six months after I got that I found Linux and have been on it ever since so I've been exclusively Linux since about 98 and um, when I was in this recording studio thing uh, I, I we, we started doing you know I built a um, studio around a, a, a digital audio workstation and initially, it started out with like Cubase and stuff like that. But then I soon found this project called Ardour, A R D O U R. Uh, the lead developer is a Brit, so it's R A R D O U R. He actually happens to be his name is Paul Davis, and he happens to be one of the co-creators of Amazon.com. Uh, he got a couple million bucks payout and left early on because he didn't want to be part of the. This was way back when it first started. And then he went off and created this open source digital audio workstation called Ardour. I got deep into that. Um, I was uh, heavily involved in that project for about four or five years. And that's where I went from just doing like low-level C and assembly stuff on microcontrollers into really just learning how to write real, um, you know, GUI-driven C++, you know, correct, I guess, what's the word? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I went from writing really bad spaghetti code to to evolving into st- stuff that actually is a little more constructed better. That's that's what I'm trying to – that's the point I'm trying to make here. And that's the <laughs> project that led me to be able to do that and and so on and so on. You know, and that project was uh, – it had always been Linux. Now it supports – you know, I kind of – I kind of – if you say the word El- Elmer, you know, they use the term Elmer in the ham radio um, world. Well, he that, – that him and that project would have been my uh, – I guess my um, open source and programming uh, Elmer. So that's what led me to, I guess, where I am now in my uh, programming interests and abilities. And this project is the first, aside from our door, um, this is the first and only one of my own that I ever, that I've ever, you know, um, aside from our door, where I was just one of the uh, contributing, de- one of the many contributing developers. This one is just, uh, just you know, one of my own. So. So that's how I got here. All right, very good. So maybe we should move into the reason you wrote this particular application because it speaks to maybe being interested in all these digital radio modes and 
maybe not finding a satisfactory solution, or did you just want to get out of having to have a piece of hardware like Bill does? Um, no, that's a good question, too. So how this happened was just uh, I mentioned my uh, interest in scanning. Well, that interest uh, um, grew exponentially when I got my ham license, and uh, I, I became one of these hams that like to listen more than talk for the most part. And um, I started uh, being, you know, big. I got into soon after I got my uh, license. I got into the RTL SDR stuff, um, which I just loved. I loved that stuff so much, and I would I would scan, I would listen to everybody, you know. And what happened was uh, there was this there's this local Detroit repeater called the Double Nickel because it's a uh, 443.55, so they call it the Double Nickel local analog repeater. And then one day, guys kept talking about they'd be in the middle of conversation. And then it would be, hey, let's go to this uh, Reflector 24 Charlie. And I had no idea what that was. Long story short, of course, D-Star, okay? And the D-Star repeater, it was hosted on the same tower. Um, so knowing, you know, I, I was big into digital decoding using RTL-SDR, but I just couldn't get, they had just put this D-Star repeater on this tower. Um, I couldn't get a clean, I just couldn't get a clean enough uh a strong enough signal, I guess, is the better word. I could never get a strong enough signal for this new D-Star um, repeater that everybody kept going to, and it was driving me nuts that I couldn't listen to these guys. So I created uh, what evolved into Dude Star, but at first it was just called D-Star Monitor, and it, uh, it, and it used MBE Live, you know, the same open source uh, decoder only that uh, is used by DSD and DSDCC and DSD plus and all those things you know with the RTL SDR um, so I figured out well if I can't uh, if I can't listen to them over the air I guess I can learn how to pick them off the uh, network and uh, and that so that became D star monitor which I soon changed to the name dude star and for the longest time well maybe not the longest time for but for quite a while it was a D star only listen only uh application for for linux yeah for linux only always was cute was it yeah yeah it was always well actually in the very beginning it was it was command line only but that was never posted anywhere and then uh the first you know then i i uh, went to qt knowing right off the get-go i would i knew i would always want this to be cross-platform so i chose qt as the uh as the uh, gui toolkit and uh and then from there, it just, it just um, you know, <laughs> I, I should have known the day that I started that, that, I, that of course, it was never going to be D-Star only. Um, it's first, it's first, when it first became transmit capability, though, it was hardware only. The software vocoding stuff didn't come till later. So first it was D-Star software monitor. Then I added, uh, you know, USB AMB 3000 support. And then, you know, and then and then the other modes just sort of, um, it would just, it just became like the floodgates had opened now, it, you know, I, I became engrossed in this stuff, and it was just one thing after the, one thing after the other after the other. All right, very cool. <clears throat> I thought there was more there, that's why I paused. <laughs> and, and also, there's like a lot over. of... I should have said yeah, over. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> there's a lot of like ambient dog barking noise in the background so apparently my gate's doing something because i don't think anyone heard that but um nope <laughs> okay all right cool so so now we have the idea so what's what's the back end you said the the cute is the front end so what's it written in otherwise it's all c++ which includes you know qt is also c++ 
it's all C++ and some C. There's some C in there, like, you know, I, I, um, the MBE Live itself, which used to be an external dependency. I, I picked everything out of it that I needed for this and just integrated that, for example, so that's C. But it's all C and C++. There, oh, there, there is actually a recent addition of very small amount of Objective C with a .m extension. That's just for, um, that's for the uh, Mac OS. There's some, that's you know that's its native uh, its native language for Xcode GUI apps. So there's a objective. There's a small amount of Objective C in there that's required to get that uh, window or that uh, microphone permission. God, that drove me nuts. That that was a couple of weeks of pulling my hair out there. I could not get figure out how to get the uh, microphone permission so that the microphone could be used in the Mac OS version but so so that's yeah there's a little bit of native objective C in there for that and the rest is all C and C++ all right well you said you started off with D star and just being interested in D star so are you sort of interested in these other modes now or is it just that you couldn't avoid including all of that stuff in it no I'm I uh I am completely. Uh, how do you say it? I, I don't. I don't have a favorite. I, I love them all. I love knowing everything about every mode, every single. I don't have. I don't like one over the other. I don't. You'll never hear me say, "Oh, I hate this mode. I don't like that mode." Um, I. I know what each mode. You know, I know what the differences are in each mode. What you know, for example, DMR is not a ham radio protocol. It's a. It's a huge reverse engineering effort by the ham radio community, and because of that, that's what makes. For me, that's what makes uh, DMR so cool. It's, but so many things about DMR that uh, I think a lot of ham people don't like is I don't know if they think about that or realize it wasn't created for them. It was created, you know, it's a commercial, it's a commercial protocol that 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 other um, ham radio operators reverse engineered for the purposes of ham radios, for example, and P25 too. But really, DMR is the one that you uh, that because I think it's I think it really is probably the most popular mode of all of them and uh d star um d star I, I the thing i like about d star is that it was created by you know by hams for hams it wanted to be um it it wanted to be the uh the first and only open so truly it's it's it it was you know it was done by the japanese radio relay league and they wanted it to be a fully open protocol and everything but they were there was one huge thing that they couldn't get around which was at the time there was only uh one option for a vocoder which was the proprietary vsi ambi vocoder so that kind of killed everything for them unfortunately i'm segueing into something that i'm really into now which is the up-and-coming m17 um protocol which is another attempt at this but this time it's going to be done right i'm actually part of that team now so M17 is a whole, it's a brand new protocol from scratch. Uh, but the reason that this one is going to succeed where DSTAR couldn't is because of Codec 2, which is a completely open source um, code, uh, vocoder. So that's the uh, that's what M17 is based around. And right now there's a whole slew of network reflectors up. Uh, the DudeStar, DroidStar has kind of been, kind of been named the official network client for... Uh, M17, although the was not the first. The first was M Voice, which was written by N7TAE, who also wrote the uh, original M17 reflector. So, um, boy, I sure did go off on a tangent there, didn't I? 
<laughs> That's perfectly fine. He started M17, but your question was about modes, so I just wanted to kind of I wanted to give a little I wanted to give a little love to each one. Uh, Fusion, what do I got to say about Fusion? Um, it's probably the easiest. You don't have to do anything. You just pick up. In fact, you could transmit on Fusion and be known to everybody as FT-991, which you see from time to time when somebody takes a 991 <laughs> out of the box and doesn't program their call sign in there. So. Um, Easiest definitely goes to Fusion, and and it's a and it's a high quality. It's definitely a high quality protocol. What I don't like about Fusion is Wires X. On my list of things to hack is the Wires X protocol, so that someday there can be an open source alternative to that. But the but the Fusion radio digital radio protocol, um, I think is great. They're all great. So there you know, um, there you go. I got nothing. I got equal. It's just it's just something for me. It's just something else to figure out. You know what I mean? I don't I don't have a I don't have a bias towards any or 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 anything like that. So that so to best answer your question, that's why they're all in there is because I just have to know everything about all of them. In fact, I you know I never had any interest in All Star till just a couple weeks ago because somebody said somebody sent me a kind of nasty email said my app sucks because it's not uh, it doesn't do All Star. So now there's All Star. <laughs> you, you should never fall into that trap. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I actually like All Star now because of it. I kind of, I kind of found a, I've taken an interest in it now. Oh, very good. Well, I, I have All Star nodes here as well, so I'm, I'm into All Star. And the only thing I, I have not tried to in- interface Dude Star with All Star yet, um, only because it uses the IAX interface, which is that old uh, phone that uh, SIP technology, which is not SIP because it's EX. But um, uh, my configuring other things to use that to get into All Star is not super intuitive to me. So, um, are you, are you, is that the only way you're going to be able to interface with All Star for the moment, or are you planning something a little less uh, what I would call clunky, which other people may not call? Well, you know, I, I wasn't kidding when I said I got about three weeks into All Star. What you just said kind of went right over my head. I didn't. I, all I know is that I've got a I've got an All Star node sitting here next to me with nothing hooked to it. You know, it's simply really just a a Pi running here, and my IAX client to it, um, which is Droidstar or Doostar. I kind of feel it's like a remote control to it. But I only knew about I only I am only aware of the um, IA, IAX interface to an All Star node. I'm. I don't even know what there else. What, what other options there are? I just know because the email re- referenced uh, DV Switch Mobile, for example. So as well, well, Droidstar can do that. Doostar can do that. That's all. That's basically that was what my goal was there. An IAX client to an All Star node. So that's what that's what it does right now. But that's that's all I know. I don't know. I didn't even know that you could do SIP into All Star or, or if you can or so on and so on. So. Um, of course, as soon as I find out something like that, well, I'm sure it'll be something I'll, <laughs> I'll be a new feature uh, here. Certainly, right? Yeah. yeah no, all star does not, but I did think you said it was, uh, an old, I, I, I did think that that was, that IAX, I know IAX is basically extinct in the telephony world, but I thought it was the, the, um, what do you say? The, the like primary, um, Client, well, I should say, client to All Star nodes in the ham radio community. Still, though, that I did think was the case. Yes, it is, and I was, I was sort of 
talking off the cuff there, and I may not understand enough about the way All-Star works to make a reasonable comment about that. Um, it's just that, like, when you're using All-Star the way I use it, you know, with a radio interface, I just, um, I've done it, like, connecting a, an EX client, like Voiper or something like that, to All-Star for a phone, you know, through a phone, and that, that setup is a little clunky. And I, I haven't done it yet for or via Dude Star, so I don't know. Okay, yeah, if it's the same. yeah. What you so. just described is exact. That's VoIP too. Yep, that's another example. Yeah, that, that's an. What were you saying? Eek, eek, eeks. What is that? Is that an acronym? Yeah, it's IAX. That's I learned because oh. I did I did the sipping eeks and stuff way way back, and they always said that that's how you pronounce IAX. Yeah, that's eeks. funny about you know that's funny about in general in my in my Linux career. I'm one of those people I don't ever pronounce because um, my whole my whole learning of 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 Linux and computer science has been 90% over IRC. So I've I've always read acronyms. I've never said them. So I'm I've never done it. I, I don't even I don't say GUI. I say GUI. I say you know IAX and so on and so on. Yeah, I've never I've noticed that because every, most people do. Um, <laughs> including. QT instead of cute, which yeah, uh, annoys yeah. Russ. Yeah. <laughs> I do it all the time. It does, it does not annoy me. It's just that that's what, you know, the people who, who wrote cute say it's cute. <laughs> They're the ones who are annoyed by people who say QT, not me. <laughs> so anyway, we should probably move on from that. So I do want uh, – we have talked with David Rowe and Bruce Perrins and stuff like that, the folks who are behind Codec 2. They've been on the show. Um, and – we have been trying for some time to get um, uh, what's his name? I guess Sebastian. No, not something like that. With uh, uh, M seventeen to come on the show, but they've been reluctant so far. Which uh, which one? Who are you, t- you, t- you talking about? Wojcik? Um Yes, yes. Oh, he's my boy. I'll get him out here if you want him. Uh, he he said he will not come on the show oh, really? because he he <laughs> does not he does not. It's not because of the show. It's because he does not um, think he speaks English well enough. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I could see that. I guess I, again, again, I talk to him all day. Well, I, I talk to him every day, but it's over IRC. So, right. Um, I, I think I've talked to him on a reflector maybe twice, briefly. Well, so yeah, maybe that, that would we'll leverage sense. you a little bit in the future to get somebody from M17 on the show. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you who would be a great one. I'll, I'll tell you right now is uh, he's kind of like the second in command. He's the sort of the network administrator of the whole project. KC1AWV. Uh, Steve Miller, is that his name? Thank God. Because I just know him by KC1AWV. What's his real name? <laughs> I believe I've talked to him. I think he's from my home state. I think he lives in New yeah, Hampshire. Steve not... Miller. Yeah. He lives uh, on the on the east. Uh, yeah, on the Dover, East New Hampshire. Maryland. Yeah, he's, he's, no, I think he's in New Hampshire. But, <clears throat> or yeah, some, yeah, Dover, at least New come. Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, that's him. I've, I've talked to him. Um, so we'll we'll get somebody on the show at some point. But anyway, this is a talk about Dude Star. So let's get back to Dude yeah. Star. Um, so I'm, oh, I'm really, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's my home state. So I, I bring it up whenever possible. So, um, I was wondering if dude star had any code or did, did dude star borrow anything from pi star because of the fact that they do a lot of the same things? Um, well, when you say pi star or even know, just star, theory, <laughs> well, pi star in essence is a, uh, collection of PHP scripts. When you say PyStar, you really, I think you mean MMDVM host. Right, MMDVM is, host, which is the thing that's underneath is, all of that fluffiness. Yes. Yeah. 
and the answer to that is a is a ton of stuff comes from there. And I'm I, I I'm I'm I can I'm I'm contributing back to MMDVM host and MMDVM underscore CM for cross mode. All those MMDVM CM utilities that are in Pystar, I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much an equal contributor back to that to that repository. And I added the first set of uh, you know you know because the the existing um, cross mode tools that have always been in Pystar are just ones that don't require transcoding. You know, like DMR to YSF, YSF to NXDN, NXDN to DMR, etc. Around those three, the, the, those cross modes can be done because there's no ambi transcoding required you can you, you can extract the ambi bits from one mode and stick them into a frame of another one without well, i got some noise and turn it down um and so on and so on so so i added up i just recently added a bunch of new uh, um in in process of writing dude star and you know learning the modes through mmdvm host and mmdvm cm i created a whole bunch of uh Trans, new transcoding cross modes called there's P25 to DMR, DMR to P25, uh, DMR to M17, M17 to DMR, and then there's D star to XXX where I just it's going to be D star to all to NXDN, YSF, DMR, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I am been going back and forth here with Andy Taylor um, from PyStar about th- those will all be added into hopefully a very soon future. PyStar release and now and then PyStar will be fully transcode capable and all of these transcode all these transcode options don't require any hardware except for the DSTAR ones. There just isn't a good enough software vocoding option for DSTAR yet. But the nice thing though is even in the case of DSTAR to any other mode on a PyStar, where usually to do real time transcoding you have to have two. So for example, you would need you know like the uh, the OpenSpot three um, does real-time transcoding with ambi chip plural you got to have two you can't just have one you got to have two or more likely based on the size of that thing it's probably got the more much more expensive ambi 3003 chip which is basically three chips in one Mm. so what i'm doing with the d-star to act to whatever modes is using that same uh md380 firmware based option for the one half of it and then just um one ambi dongle for the other half so basically what i'm getting to here is that when this is all pushed into the pi star you'll be able to transcode d star to all the other modes with simply one usb vocoder and then the other half of that vocoding solution will be done through uh you know the md380 vocoder firmware i use for the um, dmr fusion and nxdn or the open source options for p25 m17 and etc are you are you going to be doing that for XLX as well? Because it would be nice if you only needed one ambi for cross-mode yeah, pairs. Yeah, I did think about that, yep, because XLXD's got the ambi daemon in there, which also requires two. That's that's on my... If you're, not, if you're getting uh, the impression here in our conversation, I'm uh, a scattered ADD boy. I, yes, that's somewhere in that convoluted list, things to do today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I do want to do that, though, is... is um, provide an option in AMBD to only need one um, one vocoder as well. So is there is there just no way? Because I mean, you're you're encoding D star now using Dude Star, right? I mean, without yeah. an AMBD chip. So yep. But if you've done it, um, if you've tried it, and hopefully not like on one Charlie or thirty Charlie, or they'll probably ban you because they're kind of Nazis over there. Um, <laughs> the, um, it's but it's it doesn't sound good. It doesn't it's nowhere near it's 
it's not even good enough for one-on-one usage on a client, like on the client side, but it's certainly uh, completely incapable of being used in a on a server side, you know, transcoding any What's... any stream from anybody that comes anywhere. It's just it's just not good enough yet, and that's a little bit uh a bit of that's a little bit out of my realm right now. That's uh you know that's uh some serious science there, open source vocoder technology. Is that because the I because the reverse engineering of the chip we're doing the software encoding just isn't good enough yet, or is there a resource limitation? No, nothing to do with resource. Just simply, uh, the, it was just you know, it's just the open. It's just the uh, reverse engineering effort just didn't get the D star. Just didn't get the D star implementation quite right. Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with implement uh, resources though. I mean, honestly, the, these these algorithms could run on a Timex. <laughs> okay. Um, very good. So, Bill, I'll let you, you've got a few things in here that you wanted to talk about. And, um, one is about, uh, text to speech and stuff. So, um, before, actually, before we do that, let's just go ahead and talk about basic setup, like install setup and running of, of DudeStar. It really shouldn't take more than a couple of minutes because it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward, but I do acknowledge if any, you know, anybody that listens now or listens later, I've gotten, Many emails over time. Um, just I throw this disclaimer out that um, I'm just one guy, and it's just a slow project, and it's extremely beta. So uh, documentation is limited, scattered, as is my um, ability to respond. You know, so I do acknowledge that some things may not be um, obvious, and I know documentation is uh, pretty weak. I just I'm just I'm just acknowledging that right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's completely fine. I know I've I've personally installed the uh, Android versions. I've got Droid uh, Star running. Um, I've tried the Windows version that you have built there for the last release that you put out, and that one. Which, by fun. the way, I'm proud to say I don't even require Windows anymore to build those. <laughs> to go back earlier about uh, being exclusive to Linux, I do not even. I used to do it in a virtual machine. I don't even need that anymore. So I've got nice. a complete cross compiler build environment set up that creates that whole static single exe qt lives built right in and it's just right from a linux shell yeah that's that's very nice that's that's yeah, very nice. Very, that one, and that 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 happened because that happened so i'm kind of glad that 33 didn't have virtual box right away i had to come up with a solution quick and i got and i finally sat down and put together a nice windows cross compiler on linux so that's what prompted that Wow, yeah, you could probably uh, put that up on your uh, on your repo and share share your build uh, building of that because uh, that's that's that probably was a helped project. Out a lot of yeah, folks. that's yeah. a that's a serious that's a serious <laughs> even though that's even building even setting the build up on. Oh, this might have been one of your questions anyway. So let, let me just get to this now. The Windows build is uh, it wouldn't be that hard if you were just creating a Windows build for yourself, but creating a Windows build that's uh, static with all lives, you know, included where it's just a um, standalone executable that has no external de- dependencies whatsoever is it's it's a non-trivial task. It requires that you have to build you have to build the the QT library um, from scratch on the platform that you're going to do that on. So that's why there are no Windows build instructions anywhere to be found. It's just uh, that's a book. 
Yeah, it's literally a, a monolith exe that you get from from the download. Yeah, there's, there's no installer, there's no DLLs. It literally is all inside of the executable, which is kind of convenient, but also is confusing at first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, really, uh, I don't think I've seen this in a while. So, uh, so yeah, and it's interesting to hear that like it is from C plus plus. You know, I don't like, I don't like the concept of the registry. I don't like installers. I don't like any of that nonsense. So. But I think it's foreign to Windows people. They don't. They're not used to just grabbing. You used to. It's yes. not always been that way. Back in the old days, you used to get executables all the time. But uh, that's not really so the case anymore. I use flat file config files in in the home directory of the user that runs it. You know, Windows people don't. Windows. I don't mean Windows people. You know, Windows software. It's all based around Microsoft ideology and the registry and all that crap. Well, not not all. I mean, if, if you go into your home directory on any Windows computer, you would see a, a bunch of trash <laughs> and a lot of dot <laughs> folders and stuff like that that are from various uh, open source apps and stuff like that. That's still, you know, that might be compiled in Windows, but yet still act like this if they're uh, they're in a Linux environment using dot files. Uh, not everything uses the uh, the app data folder or the program data folders and stuff like that. So, but it was convenient because I mean, I first installed it on Linux, which of course you compile uh, from source, which was uh, was which was quite easy uh, to do. Uh, you know, having already built uh, WSJTX, I think I had all the dependencies already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my build environment, so I was like, "Oh, it built instantly." It was like no big deal, um, and uh, and uh, so yeah, so I tried the Windows. Uh, it looks exactly the same. Tried the Droid Star, um, which just updated the other day, so you must have had some kind of uh, update rollout um, in the Play Store. Um, Actually, one that- just came out about about an hour or two ago. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but I saw one last week. I think it was. Uh, there was definitely one. Uh, oh, sorry. I dropped my mouse. <laughs> the casualty of being here in the the the, the bedroom. Um, yeah. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about the app itself. So if you're on Linux, you do have to compile. You're not getting static binaries. You're not getting an app image. You're not getting a uh, snap. And Mac. Yep. And Mac. Yeah. Too. And I get flat. Oh, so you're and Mac. Do, is there a is there like a brew script or anything like that for uh, for using brew in Mac or is there? Uh, are you not a brew script, a- but just a simple. Somebody else, somebody else posted in the on the GitHub site under discussions. Somebody mm-hmm. else posted. It's just like, it's just like four four simple steps. It's like install brew, get Qt. Essentially, you get that and you just run QMake and make, just like on. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So you just create simple. your build environment, and it's pretty it's just, simple. Yeah, so. it's just all about getting just getting really. It's just a, just getting Qt development libraries on your. Uh, and does it run on the new M1? Russ. I don't even know what that is. I heard you talking about it earlier. It's the new um, ARM Mac. Yeah, the Mac that oh, runs an ARM. ARM Mac. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I have not tried it, so I don't know. It should. Oh, I don't okay. see any reason why it wouldn't, as long as the library, you know, as long as the uh, libraries are available. It most certainly should. I mean, I run, I build, I build uh, Linux Dude Star on a uh, Pi all the time. So there's oh, no reason. Yeah. And actually, oh, that's interesting that there's a Mac with an ARM because I have been considering. Um, an option to pull in the uh, MD380 firmware for use in DudeStar when being run on a ARM platform. Interesting. Which will that that uh, AMB plus two encoder, which is used for DMR, NXDN, and YSF, actually works quite well. I'm, I'm really impressed with how well it works. But the MBE live for decoder. 
coding, so essentially for listening. I don't know if you've used it enough. It's noisy, especially on Fusion. It seems like it's that whenever there's any slightest hint of background noise, um, it seems to uh, amplify it. That's just a fun. That's just an artifact of MBE Live, and that would be greatly improved with uh, being able to use the MD380 firmware vocoder, which could be done on both Raspberry Pi and probably this uh, this ARM-based M1 thing. Yeah. So that's just another. That's just another one of those things that's on my list. Yeah, I notice a lot. Like, uh, let's talk a little bit about the u- yeah user interface and stuff like that. So, so when you launch it, you have a, a tabbed interface. You have a main tab, a settings tab, a log tab, and about tab. You can forget about the log and the about unless you're concerned about stuff. <laughs> yeah. So on the main tab, I know there's like you do have like a, a gain for the codec gain. I, I've ch- typically had to use that to kind of bring up the signal and stuff like that, and that's kind of been very helpful. And I know, like, uh, I know when I was testing on various computers, I had to either reduce my mic gain um, by a specific amount or bring it up um, because me and uh, Russ were testing and stuff like that. And again, those are sliders on the interface as well. Um, but in the settings tab is basically where you uh, where you set up all your magic stuff, your user ID, your call sign. Um, which I think is all you need initially just for YSF. And I, I know how you mentioned YSF was super easy. <laughs> you know, anybody can get on YSF. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, it doesn't matter. There's no authentication, no nothing. Um, so, yeah, so all you needed was the call sign there. And then up um, until I, just a, sorry to, cut no, in, but, uh, yeah, up until a few releases ago, um, yeah, you really could launch, you could download DudeStar and have every field blank and connect to YSF. <laughs> if you've noticed now, it did it, DudeStar, yeah. I got some emails about that one. Um, <laughs> Dude Star and Droid Star, what I will never do, I'm not going to do, first of all, it's open source, and I'm never going to change that. So if I did put some sort of um, registration system in there, anybody could just defeat it anyway. So, But what I did do, and this is about as far as I'm willing to go um, for this, this is based on, I got I got a, not a lot, I got a number of emails from um, server admins, mm. uh, quite upset with... Uh, the ability for that the software is open and can't be um, regulated. So, as of a couple releases ago, I just made it. You have to have so you have to put in a DMRD, DMRID, and a call sign, and they have to match. Simple. It's not far from um, a perfect uh, method of authentication, but it it's good enough to defer the. Uh, some folks were just downloading it and just launching it with nothing in there, and apparently, like uh, you know, having a field day on. Right. From what I gather, mostly YSF. It was just YSF. <laughs> so then I we got into a discussion. It became a more of a discussion than an argument. We were saying it's sorry, but um, it's not the client writer's responsibility. It's the server admin's responsibility. If you want to, if you want a completely wide open server, you're going to have to deal with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. On, on I must have been logging into either the Droid Star or something like that. Because I was just trying to connect to YSF, and I'm like, I gotta put in my stupid DMR ID. Yeah, I did that. That just that's about two or three versions ago, and that's yeah. that's my attempt at some sort of some kind of um, authentication, authentication or verification. Yeah, yeah, it's which makes complete sense. Yeah, it does. It's not it makes that hard. Sense. Yeah, DMR DMR IDs are kind of pretty much used all over the ham community now. I, I mean, ninety percent of the time when you're on any mode these days, you're being cross moded somehow, and when yeah. you're being cross moded, you're almost always um almost all cross mode uh based 
networks are using DMR ID in the middle via XLX. That's what it uses to to try, you know, to to do lookups on everybody. When you come in DSTAR and then come out any other mode, in the middle you're being translated to a DMR ID and then coming out of either some default if it couldn't be found or a translation of the call sign to DMR ID back out to call sign. So. So it just seems like it just seems like everybody should just get a DMR ID, even if they have no interest in DMR. Yeah, and it was like before. Uh, I mean, when I was first trying the software, I didn't have anything. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it literally only took like twenty four hours for me to get both my DMR ID and my hotspot security password all set up with the Brandmeister uh, network and. Uh, the radio ID thing. So uh, it was super easy. So, I mean, anybody that's brand new to uh, digital modes like me, you, you haven't bought a radio, you haven't bought a hotspot, but you're hearing about, you know, obviously Joystar and, and Dude Star and stuff like that, thinking that maybe you can get into this. Um, it's actually super easy. Super easy. <laughs> yeah, I would hope. I, I, would I had hope everything so. in 24 hours. Look, I know that there are some things that kind of are confusing. Yeah, I wasn't like, there's no specific guidebook that says hey you know okay first you got to go get the, the the dmr id you know that's the first thing you get established as soon as you have that established you can go to brandmeister and then get your hotspot password set up and then you got to go into the hotspot setup area in brandmeister and actually add a hotspot <laughs> with your password so it actually works and you can authenticate for talk groups inside of the dmr network so yeah, it's it's not terribly intuitive, and I'm not you know that your software is not responsible for for enforcing that uh, that workflow or training that workflow, but uh, um, it is a kind of an interesting process from uh, my perspective trying to get into it. Russ, on the other hand, has like every every digital thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, not and has not been everything. Almost everything. You know, I even <laughs> I even convinced him what like six months ago to buy a IC seventy one hundred, right? Because you had to have D Star. <laughs> right. That was the one thing I didn't have, so I had to have it. Yeah, he had to have it. And I said, Well, why don't you buy that and you can send me back my HF radio that you're not using on six meters like you should. <laughs> you know, that's funny. it kind of brings up an argument I used to have for uh anybody that has that anybody that would ever come to me and say and um I'm I, not that anybody has ever done this, but I, my argument—I've I, got—I've got a bullet in the chamber, just ready for the argument. If, if there was ever the argument that, you know, taking away business um, from real radios or whatever, but uh, everybody, including myself, that's uh, used this has uh, has has soon taken an interest in some mode to where they've gone out and bought uh, radios that they probably they may never have went and bought. I I for. Christ's sake! Have, I, I own an NXDN HT now. On why on earth would I? I only did that because I wanted to understand it better and support NXDN better in this software. There's no. I don't even. Re, I'd never even heard of NXDN. There's no. I don't even think there's an NXDN repeater anywhere in hundreds and hundreds of miles from here. And nobody I ever talked to around here has ever heard of it. But now I own NXDN hardware. So and I would have only I would have never bought that thing if it, now granted I bought it used on eBay so I guess I guess the argument's not that good for the manufacturer but uh, yeah that's still that's still fine still, you you bought some yeah. physical hardware yeah I mean I, I'm, I now I'm, own a digital at, at least one digital radio from every mode that we have available to us on uh, ham radio now yep everyone well well if this says anything I own none. 
Nice. <laughs> so my only experience is, is well, with, you're my uh, target audience. It was with starting with uh, with Peanut, and that was like my first entrance into using the the phone for these other modes. And then uh, and then when Drew, you know, Dude Star came apparent. And, and when did this project actually start? Not what, like a year. I think ago, it's just maybe? over. Honestly, it's like. Uh, yeah. It started about a year and a half. Well, I think we're coming on two years now, but what it what okay. really, what it really, I kind of started it and then kind of forgot about it and it was ugly and clumsy and half-assed. But what, when it really kind of retook off again was COVID, honestly. It just, uh, yeah, I'm working from home. Um, I haven't seen my lab since last <laughs> March and, uh, <laughs> And I love it. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because there's this uh, massive highway project that's happened to be going on in between my house and my lab, which is about 30 minutes away when mm-hmm. it's, you know, when things are good. Um, it was just getting to the point where I was, I was uh, dreading, um, it'd be like side streets all the way there. It was miserable. And this COVID thing just uh, worked out perfectly. By the time I'm going back to the lab again, the project's going to be done and it's going to be like it never happened. So. So I'm not really complaining about the state of the world right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I, I work from home. Russ works from home, so we're uh, we're really familiar with that. And it's like uh, when the when the COVID happened, I think Russ stopped going to the office what once every other week, twice, twice a month. Yeah, it was twice a month. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was like, has no difference to me except for now my wife's home and my. Uh, my middle schooler's home. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I need to get an office so I'm not at home anymore. <laughs> so, uh, nice. uh, uh, yeah, so I have a private office, uh, which I'm not at tonight, but I'm, I'm at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's not very old. And, uh, I, I kind of heard about it. When did we start talking about Dude Star Rust? Was it like about two or three months ago? We kind of something along those lines. Yeah. Someone had mentioned it and I'm like, Oh, this looks kind of cool. And then I don't think I actually tried it. We tried it like a month or two ago. I think Um, it was Coos who mentioned it. Wasn't that one of his tweets? Yeah. Yeah. Coos had mentioned it in one of his tweets and I keep dropping my mouse. That's funny. Um, (laughs) um, yeah. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll install it. And then when I started playing with it, I connected to, uh, to Russ's YSF room and I'm like, Holy cow, this, this crap works. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we sh- we gotta try all the other things. And of course, Russ has everything, and uh, and uh, well, almost everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> so have you guys been on M17 right. yet? Uh, the only thing we haven't tried is M17 because I was like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know where to connect. And and I don't well, know no, we did try. It. Remember, we tried. We tried to connect to a oh. couple of the like the Polish repeater or something. One of one of the options that was in there. I don't think it worked though. Uh, yeah. Go to. You guys should you guys should start frequenting. Um, go to M seventeen USA module A M seventeen USA A. Okay, that's the, that's where all the cool kids are now. All right, we'll <laughs> okay. give it a shot for sure. Yep. Yeah, we'll definitely try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we have mentioned obviously M seventeen over the uh, the time period that that has been becoming that, a thing. It, yeah, let me let me add. I, I when you said when, when I said it picked up again because of COVID, that and this M seventeen project those are uh, that's my that's my main interest right now so it's really my interest in continuing to improve dude star and droid star became be i mean it started when COVID hit but when i really started taking an active interest in trying to make it um more usable um as far as um the ui is concerned i I would say that was solely based on my uh interest in m17 now because that since they have both become kind of the uh the 
flagship uh, apps of the of the mode right now until there's uh, real radios. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we've been kind of following it with the uh, little news here and there and stuff like that. So yeah, it'll be interesting if uh, we can get a hold of uh, um, Sat Steven and uh, and kind of uh, have a discussion about M17 and more discussion more detail like that. But let's get back to the the Dude Star app. Uh, we're just kind of going over the notes here. Um, so we kind of talked about the, the setup and what you kind of need to basically get it going. Obviously, if you're doing uh, uh, D Star, you said there's a there's a bit diminished performance, but like you can listen to D Star. Yeah, absolutely. And I listen. think I connected and did, did didn't we connect to Russ with D Star and it sort of worked. Not sure we tried D Star. We've done DMR and YSF. I'm not sure about oh, D Star. Okay. Yeah, okay. So maybe we didn't quite try that. I know we tried transmitting because I have it set up here with the uh, your call, the CQ, 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 and the any four RDG thing and stuff like that. Oh, maybe we did actually. Yeah, I think I think we might have. Now that now that you remind me. <laughs> yeah. Do either of you guys own uh, um, Ambi dongles? No. No. Okay. I just uh, just. Just so you know, and anybody listening knows, it does support the Ambi dongle. Even though my 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 goal in life is to bring DBSI down to their knees with all the alternative Ambi vocoding solutions, but it does support <laughs> the uh, the USB dongle. Well, I don't want to spend a dime on this, so I'm all for yeah, that. Yeah, that's fine. That's I'm, believe me. <laughs> the only thing stopping this from being 100% uh, Ambi free is is honestly the quality of the of the D Star which is well to speak of it in terms of Ambi, it's the Ambi Plus. There's there's okay. Ambi Plus used by D Star uh, D Star and then Ambi Plus two, which is used by the uh, the big three uh, well, I don't know, say the big three, you know, the other the other three, DMR Fusion and NXDN. And then P twenty five uses one that precedes them all called Imbi, actually. Mm-hmm. Which is happens to be the same as Fusion Wide. That's why those two can cross mode so easily. And then, uh, yeah, and then, and then Codec Two with M17. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the extra stuff. Like, uh, I see here that uh, there's an optional FLite F or Flite uh, text to speech build. <laughs> Flite. I've never heard yeah. of that. So, talk to me about that because I don't know exactly what yeah, that is. Yeah, I put that in there because I got sick of talking to myself all the time when developing this stuff. Going, hi, <laughs> test, hi, test. So now I, oh, you know what, I. Uh, so I put that in there just uh, as a method to transmit um, some 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 audio um, mm-hmm. to for development purposes. Really, that's why it's uh, um, well. Not only are the uh, dependencies kind of hard to set up, but uh, the, it's 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 um, value to the end users kind of low, honestly. Except for people that I think would want to cause trouble, you know, putting text in there and just transmitting it on a repeater or whatever. But I use it. I use it uh, constantly during development. You know, I just honestly, I'm I'm so built into my head just out of simplicity. I always put in there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then when I'm developing on some mode, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll just transmit that instead of having to talk into it all the time. So that's that's honestly that's it. That's the only reason I did that. <laughs> just out of convenience. There you go. Yeah. And in um, fact, here I'll uh, really quick here I'll just fire up on uh, an unused module on my. M17 reflector. I'm sure that should come through on my little mic here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You got to type, got to put dashes in there, or else it'll just try and say like 12 million, blah blah blah, and blah blah blah. But uh, <laughs> let's see if it comes out. Let me turn the volume up on my mixer a little bit here. But here, here's what your uh, 
Here's what you'll hear if you use the text-to-speech option. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Did that come through? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure did. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of cool. So that's uh, primarily for testing and debugging and stuff like that. Yeah, and the F-Lite library, it's not super easy to set up. And, of course, I don't document that because I don't even remember how I did it. <laughs> once I got it on my computer once, I haven't changed it since. It's it's not uh, – installing the library itself isn't that hard. It was getting the voices. The mm-hmm. voices are something I had to go – you got to go find elsewhere or something. I don't even remember, but – yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's different on every system too. So it'll be different in Linux versus Windows versus everything else. So if you grab anything besides the default voice, things might be odd. Yeah. <laughs> Depending upon your environment. And and what F Light stands for, if you're not familiar though, is is Festival. If you've heard Festival is a very um well known open source high quality text to speech project. F Lite is a really stripped down 8 bit, um, actually 16 bit, that's right. I desample it down to 8 bit. Mm-hmm. No, I, I forget. But anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a much less quality, but much faster and less resource intensive version of the very um, big um, resource hog festival, which is quite uh, good, you know, like human good. Yeah. But F Lite is nothing near that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of a little neat option. Of course, uh, just going down the list here, we already talked about M17 support. A uh, little bit of usage. We kind of touched a uh, base on there. Basically, in the main screen, you do have the option of selecting your modes. And uh, I, I know it uh, it does help if you understand which mode you're connecting to. <laughs> Because I know, like, when I was doing the DMR with Russ, he was like, okay, so you need to connect to one of the main modules, and then you have to put in this talk group. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, again, that's totally to intuitive. The, yeah. That's the thing about it. You know, it right now, it kind of does imply that you know exactly what you said. You know at least the mode that you're looking to use. Yeah. I mean, you know, somebody that go in on D-Star for the first time, I know, does have no idea what those uh, my call, your call, repeater one and repeater two are for, or that they're even there, mm-hmm. for example, which, well, uh, now, granted, that's for transmit only, but, uh, um, which you really shouldn't do without, a, that's the one I say you should, you should do it on an unused module with a friend or something to test or whatever, but uh, most certainly shouldn't uh, try and just use it day-to-day for regular QSOs, it's uh it's really bad. It's really bad. But it's there. I put it in there specific. In fact, it, it was it was disabled in Droidstar for the longest time. I I finally said screw it and enabled it. But you get a pop. You get a stern warning pop up every time you you now connect to uh, uh, DStar on Droidstar. <laughs> Which I think I've only done once, so I don't have to worry about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I noticed, like in the Windows build, the uh, software RX and software TX checkboxes keep unchecking themselves every time I restart the application, which is uh, annoying because I don't have an ambi chip and I never will buy one. So, well, don't you don't have to ever? It, they'll oh. check themselves when you connect to anything. They will always. Oh, check really? Themselves. Okay, I never yeah. looked at. That. I just kind of yep. saw it. and I'm like, oh, I got to check. Upon because- connect, it looks for. Um, if you've che- if, first, if there's one available, and if if so, you've selected a vocoder in the pull down uh, of USB devices. If you oh, don't select okay. one, 
every time you connect, they will first they'll gray out. They'll become you won't they'll 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 check themselves and then they'll be uneditable. So don't even you can just simply ignore them. Ignore them. I just I just did it and I connected to uh, Russ's WhatsApp server and they checked themselves. So yeah, I'm I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, again, this is it, it's just a program that I'm just creating as I go with uh, with no with no rhyme or reason and absolutely zero documentation. That's it's just it's just kind of you know someday I figure I'm, and I feel like I'm getting close now. For a while there, I was just like I don't think it'll ever be there, but I I'm actually starting to feel a little um, confident that it's getting close enough to where I may be able to call it a uh, a. a I dare not say that word finished product, but <laughs> something close enough to where I can stop and take a step back and make, you know, and, and write up a web page with all kinds of, uh, with stuff like we're talking about, you know? So if you I, were to, if you were to say what this is, I mean, is this beta quality, alpha quality, beta, certainly, beta. most certainly beta. Yeah. I'm still sticking to the, to the buzzword beta. Yeah, because we I don't really have a. <laughs> you, you technically have tagged build numbers, but I mean, you haven't really put out like an RC build or anything else no, like I, that. I'm just using those uh, the Git. I'm using the Git uh, the Git build IDs for uh, versioning right now. Except on Droidster, I just 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 a kind of a made up number zero point something. I think it's zero point four two as of today. Yeah, as long as it's below one, nobody uh, nobody's going to yep. give you much flack for that, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and there what? is, I don't know if you guys um, ran across that yet, but I've got uh, the one that you were heard running on my, uh, that's actually an iPhone. I've got an iPhone version here that I'm hopefully going to be able to put out soon here, and I'm going to put that out on oh, Test cool. Flight, it's called. You ever heard of that? Yeah. It's called Test Flight for iOS software. I guess that makes it a lot easier than me trying to get it into the regular um, Apple iOS store. Well, yeah, you'd have to get an iOS uh, developer account and everything. Well, I had else. to do that anyway. I do have that. Oh, I had okay. to do all that anyway. But uh, the test flight program is is where is is where there's kind of no questions asked. So takes so, care of the certificate signing and everything yep. else that you have to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm looking be forward to that since I have yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for us is a, I would have put it out guy. by now. There's just this one stupid bug. It's the same bug that exists on the Mac version. It has to do with the it has to do with the uh, transmit audio, so I guess it would be the audio capture. Uh, there, there's a bug. There's a bug in QT. It's I, it, you can find a long, deep discussion on this on my GitHub site under one of the issues. Um, unfortunately, yeah. It, anyway, we don't get into that here. But uh, there's 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 an audio bug that I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to have. Do I want to wait for QT to fix this, or am I going to have to? Write something in native Objective C to get audio capture into the iPhone while waiting for QT to uh, there we go QT to fix that uh, audio bug. So that's kind of where I'm <laughs> that's, that's where I'm idling at right now. But otherwise, it's it's done and works great. So so that should uh, I should come up with well, something for that soon. That'll be cool. Russ will uh, definitely appreciate that. So yeah, yeah I was sitting here getting your, ready uh, to. Uh, I was sitting here getting ready to install the uh, Dude Star on my Mac here, but I, I ran the Mac port and it started to download Xcode, and I said, "Well, maybe I'll wait." <laughs> oh yeah, you most certainly need <laughs> Xcode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely need Xcode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight gigs later. 
yeah, yeah which so, I don't want to download during the stream, so we'll we'll wait on that. Yeah, that would probably be uh pretty be a, a pretty good. So yeah, I see and uh, I was looking at the, the the GitHub repo and uh yeah, you're using uh, just the uh hash ID from the from the tag or from the commit to do your uh tagging of releases. So yeah. eventually you probably want to go to like a semantic build number there as well, so and then you can tag the releases as well on that. Um but I see there's only one one release or it would be just the current release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Which something else weird. I do that might confuse people. But I, whenever I, whenever I put a build up there, it's it's almost always because there was something very wrong with the one before it. So I don't ever want, the, <laughs> I don't ever want the ones before it available. So every time I put up a new one, I delete all, all remnants of the old one. So at any given time, the Windows uh, builds, and I don't even like calling them. That's just what GitHub calls them. I I don't like calling them, and I say that in there. I think I, they're they're just courtesy builds. They're not. It should not be considered anything near a release, but that's just a place. That's just a convenient place that GitHub gives me to put them, and I'm too lazy to. I still don't. You know, I, one of these days I'll have my own website and stuff like that. But for now, I'm just I'm just making use of the facilities in the most easiest, the easiest way that I um, that I can. No, Fair no. Enough. I mean, GitHub is is perfect for this. Uh, I mean, it works really well. It can track your releases and stuff like that, and. Yeah, even if you have older releases, I think it's fine to keep them up there. I mean, um, once you go to semantic building and stuff like that, you, you probably can tag your most current release, and then people just click the releases, and they can see that, oh, yeah, the most current release is this. And, uh, you know, maybe at some point you'd have uh, the ability inside the app to detect the fact that there's a new release by, uh, you know, heart beating back to the GitHub account or something like that. Um, but hey, it's it's good enough. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is beta yeah. beta quality, like you said. So uh, uh, this is a buyer beware type software. Um, you know, it we is do free. offer a money back guarantee. Yeah, yeah, you'll get get all <laughs> your money back, but you won't get any of the bits and bytes that you've uh, you lost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or any so, of the people that you pissed off, or any of the modes that you got banned from, can't help you there. So um, let's go ahead and uh, let's mention the license as well. What license have you, do you have this released under? I don't even just, see a license file. Ooh. Well, it's just uh, just in the top of every header, every every source file and every header file. Oh, okay. Well, you should add it in your uh, GitHub as a license file as well because that actually uh, tags the repo. Um, yeah, you should definitely have a license file in there. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's <laughs> something I never even looked at either. Yeah, if you just kind of just just troll around GitHub, because we do a lot of what we call GitHub dumpster diving <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> for projects, uh, there's always a license file, and the license file gets picked up by the software, and it also like tags over in the right hand side, so you can see that. Um, you know, much like it says right now, you know, languages, it actually takes that uh, that that and detects your whole repo, and it says, yeah, there's seventy four four point seven percent C plus plus, fifteen point nine percent C. Nine percent objective C, and then zero point four percent other. It's on the right hand side. More about this than I do. Yeah, when you just go to your uh, <laughs> landing page for your Dude Star and the repo, you got the about on the right hand side, and you keep going down. It says releases, and you can see how it says tags. So that's where you'd have your multiple well, tags. Hold on, you, tags. Yeah. Where'd you keep see the stuff about how? Oh, 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 keep I going see. Going down. Yeah. Yeah. No, the languages. See. That's what I was. Okay, I see. Yeah, this is how we track. I you never down. even looked at that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, we have the contributors, and we're like, okay, who's the big contributor? Oh, yeah, it's this no-star guy. <laughs> so, Wait a minute. I don't so, even know who Teed is. 
Oh, you must have, you must have had a pull request or something. Oh, like he that probably yeah. Something. There was a couple. Okay. Very yeah. basic pull requests. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about contributors because obviously you had one. Um, are you looking uh, for uh, more contributors into the project, or are you not quite ready for that? No, not right now. Not not right now because I, I mean, oh my goodness, like you know, I get I. It seems like they all come from overseas. Meaning, I wake up every morning to a probably anywhere from five to twenty emails. <laughs> They're starting to slow down now, I think, but they were. I'm not exaggerating about that. About five to twenty every morning when I woke up, all about. Um, and a lot of them were just repeats of the same thing over and over again. They were just like, you know, I, I am aware, but you're, they're talking about things like niceties that are so far away, you know, and I'm still trying to make it not crash and not make your computer shut down and, you know, fry your USB port. Or <laughs> I just, you know, um, when I'm comfortable enough that I've done my part well enough, then probably, sure, you know, turn it into a bigger community project. And, yeah. you know, but the, but I, it's not like I'm turning anybody away now. Of course, of course, nobody's, you know, if somebody says, hey, look what I did. Um, if if it uh, if it's good, sure. That is the nature of GitHub, of course. And there's some forks out there I'm aware of already. Um, now there was one guy that forked it though, because he wanted to make it uh, Visual C++ buildable, and uh, I just uh, that made me a little nauseous. I can't have that, so I told him that's fine. That's the GitHub way for you to fork, but I won't have that. Um, everything has to hit. Not only is the software open source. I only am interested in having it built by open source compilers and et cetera, et cetera. I'm just yeah. not interested in, you know, then having it built in any other way than, uh, you know, GNU-based stuff. They're, oh, not GNU, GNU. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there are 42 current forks. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a few forks out there. You know, a lot of those are just people pressing the fork button and <laughs> making yeah. one local copy. I see you have one pull request out for uh, changing uh, or adding a, a Mac OS app icon yep, right that now. That there. I'm that, I'm I'm sitting on that one until I can sit down and just make sure that it works right because I do want to have yeah. the uh, the Mac uh, <clears throat> the Mac OS app option correct. So if people are interested in um, in any uh, well, let's say issue or enhancement request, you want them to use the GitHub uh, issues. Yeah, GitHub's the greatest. Yeah, and I'm glad this discussions things came up because I, re- I, what I didn't like about GitHub was when people would use issues just to talk about stuff, but now this this discussions is relatively new on GitHub. So I and you, the, the repo owner has to enable it. So I immediately, um, I'm surprised I saw it. I just stumbled upon it on accident. It's been there waiting for me for a while. So I, <laughs> I enabled it, and that's perfect. That's exactly. That's almost like a. It's essentially a forum. So yeah, it's even better than issues. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the best place, and I welcome the Droid Star stuff. That's where I think all the Droid. That's where I would want all the Droid Star stuff to go to. Yeah, and you have uh, categories in there of general ideas, Q and A, and show and tell. And people so have been making those cool. themselves. I don't make those categories, which is nice. I don't have to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You yeah, I haven't really. I haven't really discussion. messed around with that. Uh, we use uh, GitLab at work, so it's uh, almost the same, but slightly different. GitLab. Yeah, that's what uh, our door uses. My. Uh, my 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 Elmer my Elmer software project. Yeah, when uh, when Microsoft bought it, everybody ran scared and went over to GitLab, and <laughs> it's like okay, whatever, it's the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I see you got some open issues. Let's see what else we got here. Are you using the wiki at all? Oh, you do have some stuff in the wiki. Do I? Uh, I think so. Well, there's... Oh, maybe not. It says, welcome to the out. Dude Star Wiki. Nope, I didn't really know about that. Yeah, nah, we don't care about that. That's fine. <laughs> but definitely get a license file in there. That would probably uh, that'd probably make everything super happy. But this is uh, this is really cool. Um, and what else was I going to say about this? I know I was looking at this for a reason, and I can't remember what it was. So, uh, Russ, Russ, what do you have? What? Anything else? What? No, I don't. What? What? Oh, I was hey, so, talk I was to so us happy about that this, you were. Uh, I was. I was. Oh, just keep on going. Yeah, I was just you so happy, happy that going. you were, you know, <laughs> talking and stuff, and I was just sitting here and enjoying the conversation and learning all about Dude Star. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was. Uh, I went on your um, your QRZ page, and I was seeing there's a piece of hardware there, the Dude Star Proto One. Uh, can you talk to you a little bit about what that was or is? Yeah. Or so isn't. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what it probably so let's talk about what it will never be. <laughs> um, what it never will be is a uh, commercial product because I'm I, I knew better making those things. Um, people saw the stack and th- immediately thought I was in in some sort of business. But you know when you when you create uh, PCBs, you you always get uh, you don't yeah, you, you, buy, you don't just get buy a one. dozen of them or so. Yeah, <laughs> you have to buy a, yeah <laughs> so many. Um, those are uh, Christmas tree ornaments now, so that worked out well. <laughs> All right, but what the, what that was, and that project though is alive and well, and that's actually why I, I'm not. It's not that I'm interested in making Dude Star and Droid Star and taking away the radios. I'm I love the radio aspect of it, and I'm using Dude Star and Droid Star to you know I used it to learn the down to the bit per bit of every mode's um, you know digital protocol. Mm-hmm. So that now I can take those those packets and put them out on the air, and I do that with what I call the Dude Star Radio Project. I think there's a yeah, there is a link on my QRZ page where I take where I use an you know an old analog radio, any analog radio with a 9600 with a you know with a data port, you know that typically it's a DIN six. I've seen a couple oh, yeah. radios use yeah, a yeah, DB nine, yeah. but mostly usually it's a DIN six. It's a packet radio interface, but it's got a uh, um, data port, you know. And I, you, any radio that's got that data port with this Dude Star Radio Project, it allows you to use this radio as a full, full blown, all digital mode radio. It's sweet. And, and um, M17 next, but right now, you know, I I use my ICOM 706, my ancient ICOM 706 here, and I talk Fusion, I talk uh, P25. Those are the two I use it for the most. Mm-hmm. P25 and Fusion. Um, DMR is uh, DMR is you you can you can listen you can receive tier two DMR meaning um, time slotted repeater type DMR, but you can't train it with, without you you know it's complicated because basically you got to have two radios you got to have one to receive and send at the same time it's a I did it once as a bench test proof of concept fun project but it's not practical you know yeah because of yeah. the way but but it works you you can talk DMR simplex all day long it's sweet. I did DMR simplex with a guy, you know, up in about 20 miles from here using that because, you you know, you don't need to be able to receive and send at the same time like you do with tier two. So that's the deal there. But but so but what I what the what those boards were was basically a microcontroller and an ambi chip. And then where's that? Is that us making that noise? I just heard it. Oh, that's uh, 
It could be. Anyway, it's, um, it's yeah. Discord. I'm not sure where it's coming from. <laughs> okay. I thought I had all my notifications turned off, but that might be me. I think I'm hearing it from my speakers. But anyway, yeah, it could be. Could be from YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Instead of that board that I made, um, I decided instead not to reinvent the wheel so much and just use the Pistar with the. Uh, oh, what? Oh, what really happened is because I got so because I got so close to not being able to need that Ambi chip. That mm-hmm. was the key. That board is you know all, the Ambi chip. The rest of it, the without the Ambi chip, it's just like any old MMDVM board. And yeah. by MMDVM board, I mean not the hotspot board with the ADF7021 on it, but I just mean the radio board, the one that just has a microcontroller on it and allows you to connect it to a radio, that, which is the original MMDVM board. The rest of them are actually called like MMDVMHS or Zoom Spots. Or oh, whatever, okay, but, yeah. But the original MMDVM board was just a microcontroller and a connector on it, and you plug that connector into the back of a radio. And that's what's used for repeaters, you know, MMDVM-based repeaters. You, they'll take two two of those, two analog radios, and voila, you got yourself a full-blown repeater. So anyway, that's that. So so now I, that that project is just a, just a pie, you know, just a Raspberry Pi with an MMDVM board on top of it plugged into the back of an analog radio. Mm-hmm. And then I modified, I, I add pins to, the, to a couple of GPIO pins, and each one becomes a push-to-talk circuit for each different mode that you want. And, and and since all the modes, I can now do uh, vocoding over software or that firmware, which runs on a Pi. Um, mm-hmm. And for D-Star, you just, again, you just plug in a dongle. So there's a video of that. So if, wait, yeah. On my QRZ, there's a link to the Dudetronics website, which is also just a, yeah. kind of a joke. I'm not a, I'm not a business. It's a, it's a joke <laughs> site. But... Uh, <laughs> And the dude, if you're curious, it's not much the, of a site, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not anything. I was like, is this a real website? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's an artifact of my laziness. Yeah, that in fact, up until very recently, if you had ever gone there, um, it was just a picture of the dude from uh, that scene where the dude. I mean, the big. That's where the dude came from. The, just yeah, the, the big, big Lebowski. Lebowski yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, for years, probably two or three years, I. When I thought up that dom- that domain, I got before I even had a AM radio license. That domain actually came from a automotive uh, can controller I created, which I called Dude Arena. So, <laughs> yeah, it's an automotive <laughs> nice. it's an automotive nice. diagnostic device, and I called that Dude Arena, and that led me to make that domain Dudetronics. I thought maybe I would uh, maybe I would commercially sell this thing, and then I re- well, I'm in the business, a massive conflict of interest there, so I. Never went any further with. That. I get these, you know, these ideas all the time, and I never go anywhere with them. But I got a good, great full-time job, and you know, I don't need to do anything. Yeah, like that. but that's where all that. <laughs> came the problem from. with that's... solving problems at work with software and hardware, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, you're like, ah, I can't really, can't sell this, and if I use it for work, making my job easier, then they'll own it. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's kind of what it boils down yeah. to. Yeah. I'll just do it the old-fashioned way and do it the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> but all this good stuff that's where that came from it's just a five minutes of thought into it and said dude dude tronics dude Dorino, dude star dude whatever dude so you were watching the big lebowski when you decided on the naming so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so russ do you have anything else on the dude uh the dude stuff uh before we uh bother him about anything else 
I don't think so. I don't don't have anything specific. Certainly, I think we've covered all the bases. We talked about the application, its cross-platform, its license, where it came from, oh, its I genesis, had a question where for you guys it's going. Really yeah. Oh yeah, go for no, it. No, have you? Have I? Oh wait, I think we already. No, I was just because I remember early on. I remember you mentioning that you both had Macs. I just wondered if you had tried it on Mac yet, but I think you already said you haven't done it yet. You were going to try it in the middle of the interview, but you'd be, you didn't want to download anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yes, I No, yeah, good. I would definitely. If you guys are Mac owners. Uh, no, I, my Mac is running Fedora, so. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I, have, I have a Mac running Debian, but I do have a, the new M1, which I am going to download Xcode on when we get done here so I can yeah. uh, see what it builds like. Yeah, yeah nice. No, that, that was... Uh, that was my latest sort of uh, edition, support edition. I had always called it fully cross-platform, knowing that it should build on Mac, but uh, only again, this M17 project got me interest, got me um, made you know made me take an active interest in it enough to where I uh, I bought. I'm now a Mac laptop owner just because just for the purposes of making sure I can support it correctly. So, so and uh, and I'm happy. I'm happy with the fact. Uh, that it does build and work pretty well on Mac, yeah, or well, yeah, it works great on Mac. Well, I think if we get this, if I get this thing working on my Mac, then when we do the M17 interview, we can do it via M17. <laughs> that would be cool. Yes. <laughs> totally cool. Totally cool. Well, okay, so now uh, I'm just going to start asking random questions because we're to that point in the interview before we ask you if we forgot anything. Um, so uh, you, you, on your uh, on your QRZ, QRZ page, you also mention uh, you're a gearhead, and you kind of mentioned you work for uh, a major vehicle manufacturer. But you also mentioned you uh, have a motorcycle project. Do you still uh, mess around with motorcycles? Um, where do I? That's a story. <laughs> yeah, your FZR one thousand. Oh, the FZR one thousand. Yep, yep. I. I uh, I crashed that bike and broke my neck. So, oh jeez! <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I made a uh, miraculous recovery. I was supposed to be full blown quadriplegic for the rest of my life, but I I made a miraculous recovery, and I still got the bike and I still rode it a few times. I just haven't. It's it's not even that I'm scared of it or anything anymore. I just kind of I just kind of um, lost interest in it. Be- I guess because of that, it's hard to explain how they. How I feel about that, but uh, <laughs> well, that I, bike, I suppose if you eat yourself into the uh, great wide open, there it uh, it would definitely uh, change your attitude towards using it all the time. Yeah, that thing was a doozy, man. <laughs> so I went from about seventy-five horse stock, which that, that was the uh, eighty-six Yamaha FCX seven hundred phaser, they called it yeah. FAZER. They only sold it in America for two years. So, but it was it was considered they called it the baby V Max. So it was a performance oriented cruiser style bike already mm-hmm. um i think they got a term for them these days they call them naked bikes but that term didn't exist back then yeah not back then no yeah um but uh i over i or i outgrew the performance i needed more so story of my life um i needed more so i put an fcr 1000 engine in and built it up yeah <laughs> about 150 horse i think it was a about 140 maybe ish about 140 150 horse when it was done and that thing was just crazy and i put sixty thousand mile i put when i got it what it was it was a 1986 i got it in 96 the previous owner put six thousand miles on it in 10 years i put sixty thousand miles on it in four years wow it was a daily rider then mm. i rode it good. everywhere jesus <laughs> and here in detroit i i rode it until there was actual ice on the ground 
You can't do ice no matter what. You just can't do ice, but I did the cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's me too. I, I rode my bike until about two weeks ago, and now we're negative fifteen and snow on the ground. I'm I'm not riding for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and Russ rides as well, right? Russ, you're a V Maxer. <clears throat> no, I'm not or a V Star. V Star. V Star. Right? No, oh, I was gonna no. say V Max, and oh my god, because yeah, that you would have probably known about that. That's what they. That's what they advertised it as. It was called the the baby V Max. No, I yeah. I have a Vulcan. I have a Cruiser. Oh, the Vulcan. Yep, I thought you had like a Roadstar or something like that. No. Yep. Kawasaki Vulcan. Ah, okay. Well, I have a, I have the BMW R1150R, so. <clears throat> awesome, though. And, uh, let's see, uh, just general gearhead stuff. I see pictures of a boat, a band. So what instruments do you play? Do you play drums or? Drums, guitar, bass, and piano are my, yep, those are in that. Or I'd say no. Bass is my primary instrument now in the band, but we're kind of we kind of went on hiatus. And I think I guess bass and my bass and piano are the two I play the most now. Drums was my first and longest, and then I got trumped on bass or trumped on drums by by the lead guitarist's kid, and he took over drums and I moved to bass. That was a sweet that was a sweet deal, and uh, we uh, we made a record here in Detroit and everything. It was pretty cool. It was. It was me and my longtime uh, fellow car guy, and uh, it grew, you know, uh, high school, you know, growing up from kids. We, I was his drummer, and then I became his bass player, and his kid became the drum drummer, and then this other friend of ours, and it was a four-piece rock band, and we, yeah, we did our thing for quite a while. It was pretty cool. Oh yeah, well that's what that's that's where the whole recording thing I talked about earlier. That's that's how that that was that was all that was all that was all uh, intertwined together. Yeah, getting into our door. That's awesome. Yep, yep. Yeah, Russ is big into that, right, Russ? <laughs> our door, yeah. or do you just mean recording in general? Recording in general, I and I oh, do yeah. live sound. I do uh, stage performances and stuff, and I'm now now learning bass guitar. So should have. Oh, so. yeah, very nice. Yeah, I've got this. Uh, yeah, that's what I that the the big audio stuff I was into when I was building my studio was. Uh, I did like. I used, you know, I used modern computers and recording interface, but then I, I, my micro, my big electronics project I briefly mentioned earlier was audio mic preamps, but they were tube-based. They were tube-based uh, microphone preamps that I built. I based them around the old, the old output amplifiers that were in these old, old '60s reel-to-reel uh, decks. They were called. They were uh, um, Roberts Akai. I don't know if that sounds familiar at all, but they were these they were these old and really popular um, real tape decks, and they had these removable amplifiers in them, low like like a couple of watts. They were they were just like two or three watt, five watt maybe output amplifiers that you piped out into speakers. But the circuit was just a really nice tube based class A amplifier, and I used those, modified them, and turned those into mic preamps. And I so I had these so I had, it was just a nice like. Um, combination of vintage meets, you know, modern. So I had, I had two bass mic preamps going into modern computer-based recording s- software, and that was my setup, and it was really sweet. You still fishing around for stuff to talk about, Bill? <laughs> no, I think I think I've uh, I think I've gone to the bottom of the list. So uh, 
We uh, definitely need to ask you if uh, if there's something you wanted to mention about Dude Star or Droid Star or one of your side projects there that you wanted to mention that we haven't talked about. Uh, go ahead and talk about it right now. I think I uh, M17 is basically, I, I wanted to plug M17 as much as possible. I think I've done that. Um, I'm glad that you guys already reached out to those guys, and I'll, uh, I'll tell Steve M, or I'm sorry, I always, God, I always, KC1AWV. In fact, I'm going to type it in the chat right here. Yeah, I'm, I are, you know, you guys were talking about Discord. I'm, I guess I'm old school, and I'm just, uh, I are, I'm still IRC. The nice <laughs> thing about M17, though, is he, he, and he's the guy that did this, uh, that we were talking about, Steve, uh, did I say that right? Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Um, KC1AWV, he, uh. He's he's got the Discord and the IRC and the uh, Matrix and some other one. He's got them all linked together. So I'm on IRC, and there's a bunch of guys on Discord, and we're all in the same room together. Yeah, we actually have a uh, we have our Discord channel, our general channel is linked in uh, with uh, our free node IRC channel, which is also uh, Octothorpe LHS Podcast. Yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah, as far as uh, anything I wanted to say, just just. Just that uh, M17's my pretty much my my biggest ham radio, my only really my only ham radio. Well, whatever, you know, my main <laughs> ham radio interest right now, and uh, I think everybody should check it out. And Dude Star and Droid Star is pretty much the uh, the recommended way to get uh, to check out M17 right now since it's network only at the moment. And what was that node that you should connect to again from M17 uh, USA Module A? USA Module A. Yep. yep. And it's uh, that Module A. There's about nine other ones. There's about nine other um, um, reflectors who whom whom all have their Module A's linked together. And you could see that on the if you go to m17project.org and then the reflectors uh, link. If you go to, if you then then you know go find the reflector dashboard for M17 US USA, um, I think it's called Peers. If you click on Peers, I think it is, you'll mm-hmm. see like nine, typically nine to ten other reflectors all have their A mods linked together. So so when you're on USA A, you're typically on nine other U nine other reflectors A's, but USSA is considered. That's that's the that's the spot right now. That's where all the action is. Awesome. Okay, and in the show notes, we have your homepage linked at Deutronics. We have the uh, GitHub page linked, your QRZ page. Is there any other way people should reach out to you? Do you do Twitter or uh, no, which, I, I, which IRC server do you hang out in that people control you on? You control me on Freenode. I still idle, even though I'm not active with the Ardour group anymore. I've been I've been idling in there for about ten years now. So twenty, <laughs> God, has it been that long? Ninety-seven. <laughs> Jesus, it's been over twenty years. Twenty <laughs> years. Never disconnected. <laughs> never net split once. Right. Never once. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nine clients in there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't miss a beat. <laughs> no. So yeah, the M17 IRC is a different server called Geek Shed, and then. Uh, Free node, yeah, I'm on those two 24-7. doesn't mean I'm going to respond to anybody, but my yeah. client idles there 24-7, yep. And you're on there as, uh, what, no star? Or? I'm, on free node, I'm no star. On the, the Geek Shed, since I'm only there for M17, it's a call sign. Okay, good. And uh, let's remind everybody what that is, AD8DP, Alpha Delta 8 Delta Papa. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, this is this has been great. I I I love hearing about this stuff, and I'm so happy that we could uh, finally connect uh, on the podcast here. And uh, over to you, Russ. What else do you got? I really think we've nailed it as far as Dude Star is concerned, and we'll follow up for sure with M17. So we'll have some sort of uh, additional information that has to do with Dude Star, and maybe uh, talk about what updates there are in it when we actually get around and talking to Steve or whoever it is we get on from the M17 project. But I don't think I have anything else, unless uh, anybody in the chat room has any questions for Doug they want to ask before we get on out of here. I forgot. I, I think I closed that room, but okay. And <laughs> now it's okay. We're kind of <laughs> sort of watching it. A lot of people were commenting, especially uh, uh, who is Bill. N3AJ was making a lot of comments along the way, dropping in links for people, <laughs> which is quite yep. helpful. So... So that was really good, including uh, you know, linking test flight to people and uh, uh, talking about uh, yeah, creating your licensing file and stuff oh, like here that it is. in the repo. So I don't see anything new. Yeah, I don't see anything either. So I guess we should probably just go ahead and wrap up and let everybody get on with the rest of their evenings. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty good. So thanks once again, Doug, for being here. Uh, AD8DP, the author of Dude Star, and of course a major contributor to the M17 project, which I hope we learn about very, very soon. Thanks for being here, and I uh, hope we talk again pretty soon. Yeah, all right, awesome. Great to talk to you guys, and uh, and hopefully I'll catch you later. I'm sure we'll be talking at some point for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> But with that, let's go ahead and do one quick announcement. We wanted to make mention once again of the second QSO Today Ham Radio Expo that's coming up in March. It is March, right? Yes. Yeah, March. Yeah. And uh, we'll be a part of that. There's some interesting stuff coming up, and we'll be talking with Eric, uh, unless something changes, on um, the next ep- Not the next episode. Not the, the weekender, but the... The yeah, next 395. episode, 395. yeah, three ninety five. We'll be talking to Eric, and he's going to tell us all about what's new in the QSO today Ham Radio Expo from the last one, and uh, maybe some interesting information, or maybe some I don't know. We'll, we'll find out when we talk to him. Yeah. So if you have any questions, think of them and send it into uh, our email address, and uh, or get on our Discord and and tell us about him, and <laughs> we'll make sure we ask him when he's on the on the podcast. Absolutely, and lhspodcast.info is the place where you got to go for all that information. So do it. Check it out. Send us some feedback. Participate in the show. We appreciate everybody who does so. And there were some folks with us tonight listening to the live stream and chatting up with us on Discord as we went through the interview. We had Tony, K4XSS, Bill, N3AJ, Don, KC9ZMY, Ted, WA0AR, and Eric, KN4IIY. And, of course, we had... <clears throat> 88 dp doug so uh, <laughs> i thought i saw tom in there too yeah tom was there as well tom oh yeah he was in there briefly and for AI. yes absolutely. who's gonna change his call sign eventually right so i think he, yeah <laughs> so we won't be able to do that anymore that's too bad it's, it's his loss but anyway that's it for this one this has been episode number 393 of linux in the ham shack our deep dive into dude star thanks everybody for being here and for the absent Cheryl, who's on assignment of deliciousness, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. (laughs) 